Welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting, acquire amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest has been recording his podcast with another individual for two years now. And that guest is Mark Kagala, and his co-host is Jared Hall for the Modern Pain Care Podcast, where they make you the complete clinician. All right. So Mark, can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, Mark Karshall, I've been a PT for about 18 years and have kind of taken the journey of really trying to master my craft, I guess, as far as going from feeling like a total complete failure, imposter syndrome early in my career, like, man, I got a school, like, well, the same, what I've learned in school, or as far as that, it doesn't fit that nice textbook. And then um, decided that, you know, manual therapy was going to be a solution. I can just, you know, sense things with my hands, fix it all up with my hands. And then that became a failure to where I was ready to quit PT. I just like, man, I can't convince myself these, you know, millimeters of supposed faults I'm not able to feel are the source of these big complex situations that I was seeing walk into my clinic door. So I jumped into a fellowship which was great. Evidence Emotions Fellowship was good. It was kind of a biased towards manual therapy way of modifying symptoms, but you know, good nonetheless. Learned a great deal of clinical reasoning, critical thinking, and got the opportunity to get exposed to pain science at that time. And that was in the midst of that fellowship, I'd struggled, man. I was like, I got mentors who were like world respected. I was privileged to get mentored by some really high level manual therapists. But I was like, man, I'm, I'm noticing the same people I struggled with that made no sense in my practice was they were struggling in the practices of my mentors. So kind of was disheartening at the time. And then I had a pain science class later in that fellowship that just was a big aha. Now I understand why if we just take a manual therapy paradigm and push it at everybody, it's not going to be the solution for a good chunk of our patients. So that got my kind of pursuit of pain science and really which is branched out to just person-centered care. Because I think pain science is just recognized we need to look outside of just tissue-based explanation for pain. And we need to look at person-centered care, like a complete clinician can incorporate the best uniquely tailored individualized plan of care for that person that day at that moment in time. So that's been our kind of mission at Modern Pain Care is to kind of help people make that transition to solve those problems of inadequacy of imposter syndrome. And I'm like, what the heck is going on with this patient? Yeah. Get people feeling confident in the clinic, kind of rewarding their careers and feeling like it's exciting to go back to work again, feeling kind of reinvigorated, all that good stuff that, uh, you know, took Jared and I some time of toiling and struggling and failing to get to that point. And uh, so come out the other side. But yeah, we our podcast, this is the way we share some of our clinical tidbits and pearls of what we find works well in clinics. We also get some experts coming on um, early on. It was just me and the podcast where I interviewed some patients and I had actually Gillette Belton, who's a patient, patient advocate who kind of co-hosted with me in a few episodes. So it's been kind of a transformation over time, I guess, as we kind of figured out what best serves our audience, but it's, it's been great. And I love podcasting. It's been one of my favorite things to do. Got some, I got a decent setup at home with the, I'm at my office right now, so I don't, I, I'm not on a nice mic and I got VR <laughs> one right here, but it's not, it's not my Procaster and, and fancy setup and Rodecaster Pro and all that stuff, but it, it does the trick when I'm doing this at work. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So can you get into like why you even started the podcast to begin with? You know, just wanted a medium to kind of share what we're doing and what we felt like we could do to help people and, and help folks in, that were struggling with the same struggles we went through. We saw a lot of, uh, you know, influencers in the space, you know, out of meetings and uh, gosh, there's there's a few others. Uh, Eric Mira's podcast group, um, Greg Lehman had been doing a little bit. There was just some people that were, it was just it seemed like a good medium to kind of get our what our thoughts were, what what we were all about out there so people could say, hey, maybe that's good fit for me to work with these guys or take a course. Yeah or do these things. So it was, it was mainly to kind of have some exposure and start reaching some people at mm-hmm. blog postings and stuff, which were great. And we still do occasionally those. We actually have some interns. We have some interns that now do them and we kind of proof them and they're still great. And we've loved that, but it's been nice to kind of focus on the podcast. And it's been one of our better, you know, ways to kind of get people into what we do and, and uh, get introduced to our coursework. Yeah. And, and definitely it builds on that. Uh, like, this, you know, introduces the people to this is what we do and how we do it and how we can help you be that complete clinician as your logo and everything says. Yeah. So what do you feel the benefit has been having the podcast so far, like over these two years? Well, not even just a podcast. I searched up that you guys even have a, a YouTube. Yeah. We've kind of like gotten spread our outreach on the different platforms and youtube has been one recently i think we're up to like 690 something subscribers we're getting close to that thousand mark and then we gotta i have grandiose plans to start recording some content you know mainly to help clinicians but we also have a we're gonna have a patient channel too that just helps dispel some of the cruddy myths out there around things that get people to bad narratives and bad ways of kind of understanding things so it's been a good way to kind of craft our message a little bit and kind of you know i am very confident we have a great product that can offer and help people it's been developed through what i've seen not working throughout our profession and different things and yeah results with folks that have gotten in our uh you know ecosystem i guess you could say and so that was the stimulus that we need to start reaching more people like we need mm-hmm. to, we want to make the impact we want to make and serve the people we want to serve we got to get our presence out there like some people don't know who mark cardula is more people know who jared hall is he's more of a social media uh, influencer (laughs) than this guy is but i needed an avenue to show that i had some authority and some experience to warrant people wanting to pay for a live course an online course involved in our coaching programs or anything like that and i want to bring it back to that like you basically so you built the podcast to build that authority and to show yourself in front of these people of like that can just randomly come across you by those youtube searches because youtube now is one of the second leading search engines right so it's like how to deal with this pain science of a shoulder or whatever uh that you're going through or even like you were talking about earlier, how to deal with imposter syndrome in the clinic. It's like those things come and people do not know how to handle it when it comes. No, it's been interesting just in our, like we do coaching and like mentoring and clinician, you know, we have a program that's kind of ongoing that does that. And there's definitely been a lot of clinical things we've tackled. But a lot of it is like this existential crisis a lot of us go through as far as like, man, I went to all this school and I feel like none of it, you know, it just doesn't seem a lot of it's working. I got watching social media here and I got all the things that I thought were the way things worked are getting shot holes all through them. And like, where do I stand? And has this been a good choice? I mean, that, like I told you, that quitting moment where I was just like, maybe PT isn't for me. Maybe I just can't do this. Maybe it's just I'm a failure in this situation, that kind of imposter situation. So we've actually seen a lot of where we've been talking people through a lot of that career struggles and how you navigate some of that uncertainty as you're seeing a lot of people in clinic that don't fit yeah. or points you learned in school and your board exam way of looking at humans and 
But that's again that whole person-centered care thing is you got to be able to understand more than just that linear, you know, PowerPoint yep. bulleted way of looking at a human and be able to take in all the complexity that each person brings to the equation and make some sense of that, both for you, of course, importantly, but most importantly for your patients. Yeah. I mean, I worked in an outpatient clinic for a while, for six years as an aide. And one of my, one of the PTs there that had Eric Ordorica, he always, always told me to think of the patient or think of you as their, their, their barber, their dealer, meaning car dealer, right? I'm not the other, not the other one. And there's psychiatrists a little bit. You're like everything in the scope. And you have to understand all that during the healing process because that those things affect it too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think one of the big things we push this people is you, you're not going to get by simply just out knowing diagnoses and, and CPRs and RCTs. And so not say that stuff isn't important to know. The key is there's no when and with who and how to bring it into the Thing, but yeah, a lot of patients just need uh, you know someone to come alongside them to navigate a healing journey. It doesn't need a lot of fancy technical jargon. It needs, if anything, it needs a little bit of a simplified. You're going to be okay. Let I'm going to come alongside you. Make sure you navigate this 100% and get you back to life you had before. Unfortunately, healthcare doesn't do that well. The way we traditionally have instructed folks in physios, we always are searching for something wrong with people where we rarely are pushing on what's right and all the positives that we have as prognoses on a lot of things that people come into the door with and then couple that with a healthcare system that's really good at pathologizing people and you know kind of stripping them of self-efficacy and positive beliefs in their recovery and it can be a messy thing yeah and then also i want to bring it to something that i've always heard from pts that i've worked under and things is you get all this knowledge about healthcare but you don't even learn how to sell no. So then when you get out into the world, it's like, I thought they're just supposed to come and, you know, just show up. <laughs> One of my big failures in my career was I came to Phoenix, Arizona, just thinking I was going to crush it in private practice because I got my fellowship letters. I was just, you know, I was clinically, I mean, that's kind of something, but I felt like, man, I really gained clinical skills. Fellowship, you know, you're kind of, that's the stamp of like, you're the best, best of the best in the main therapy world, like, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I just thought people were going to show up like, Hey, the word of mouth will travel and I'll just be like, this dude's and then I failed. Like completely had to bail on it. There were some other factors involved in that, but it was mainly me not knowing that any of the marketing sales piece that goes into regardless, people don't give a rip about what letters you have up your name, how highly trained you are. If you can't put a message in front of them and show you that I have something that will solve your problem. So come see me simple but we just don't do it well we don't get trained that way in school and some for some reason selling is some dirty word and it's to me and i've looked at and i used to think that way too and I, now i you know talk reading with the russell brunson's and you know the wolf of wall street guy i can't think of his name off the top of my head i'm listening to his book right now but yeah straight line so to me it's a moral obligation like when we know we have a non-invasive conservative measure intervention that can save people i mean i'm not saying we have any magic silver bullet because we're not we definitely are a better avenue than going invasive and expensive and life altering. Like, I mean, I think we offer some things that we, it should be our duty to try to sell that to patients in a very ethical way. It's not like we're saying like, Hey, we got this snake oil we're peddling to people. We've got some solid research to show this is a great way to manage things in a conservative way that often will lead to less downstream costs, less invasive stuff. Gosh, our side effects compared to fusions and injections and medications are quite significantly less and i think if anything COVID has proven is like we need a more healthy population that we just have a very unhealthy comorbidly unwell population that 
isn't going to do well when, uh, I mean, obviously we didn't really handle the pandemic well as a world, but definitely U.S. especially. Yeah. Uh, but man, I think, you know, there's just a, a huge amount of opportunity for PTs and being willing to sell it. I don't see why, to me, again, I look at it more like it is our duty to get in front of people and give them that choice. Mm-hmm. Not, don't need to sell false promises. Go with what the evidence says. Go with what we know that research supports. And I think there's a lot of patients that are going to jump on that choice if we can present it in a nice messaging way. And that we're still working on that modern pain care because I mean the stuff with like magic fix it courses, uh, you know, are <laughs> easier to sell than like, hey, this is complex. But I honestly, ours is based in reality. Like you're going to face complex stuff that those magic fix it courses will eventually fail with. I mean, you can wait, yep. roll down the path of wait for those more of those courses to line up and fail like I did. And, or you can jump on with us and say, Hey, not to say you can't take some of those things, but put them in perspective. Man, I need to understand this complexity and be able to apply it to the person in front of me and not try to shoehorn everybody into whatever my current favorite way to make pain feel better temporarily is. Yeah, exactly. And then also what you need to be do is uh, to distinguish like, am I having a scarcity mindset right now? Or am I having an abundance mindset? Because you're in a scarcity mindset, you're literally going to take this patient and you shouldn't. You should probably pass it off to someone that is a better candidate for them. But the scarcity mindset in you is like, no, but if I let them go, then you know there's no one else that's going to come through the door. Very true. Like I think that you take patients that aren't good fits, you're not willing to say no, and it's going to compromise your outcomes in the clinic for sure. Because you're not, that's where I my plan is to move to where we do a little bit of clinical operations as well with this, where we message and we bring people in that are set up to do well because we've qualified them that they are ready to take the steps that we can provide them to instead of just assuming everybody's gonna go on this pt journey and come out the other side happy as a client i mean I, folks who are listening in the pt world right now i'm sure if they look at their clinic there are people that they had no idea why they're there they don't know what they're doing what pt is going to offer them but i think if you pts can get better at this sales stuff and start putting messaging like this is the problems we solve. There are a lot of people with problems that we could solve out there if we could just put a message in front. And to me, it's like instead of taking people just because they have a pulse and pain, and yeah, they may not be a good fit, and they're not anywhere near where you could create a scenario where you just get patients who are coming into your door. And Jerry Durham's a master of like screening to make sure you only book people on your schedule that are patients that are belong on your schedule that are going to be good, likely a full plan of care going through singing your praises. I mean, to me, it might be a little bit on the front end where you're not taking as many patients, but I think a long term, if you're playing the long game, to me, that's where you create a business that I think can be sustainable and a huge thing for, and I think we need to do that as a whole profession as far as stop fighting for the scraps of like the biomedical dumping ground and start creating our own market for people and not waiting for it to funnel through physician referral pathways. I'm not saying- Oh, yeah, yeah. To me, it's like, man, go directly to the consumer, give them truthful, ethical information and let them make a decision and then deliver. And I think to me, I, we'll mark, we won't need to worry about physicians. They think or don't think of us. I mean, they, they'll probably think highly of us because of the results we're getting with our people, not because we've brought them lunch four weeks in a row and bought them their favorite bag of donuts every morning to <laughs> the way we tend to market to physician days. I just think it's, again, it's, I think we can do better. And then on top of that, you have your own patients, your own clients. And then when they do have an issue that pops up, then you can refer them out to whatever physician that you trust. 
Exactly. You build a network of people where, hey, this person's, we can get mad. And I think, you know, we have this tendency to get mad about orthopedic surgeons and neurosurgeons who are just going invasive and doing all this. But there are some really good ones that are very conservative, align with those folks, develop relationships, start sending them patients. They'll see you as a valued colleague. Yeah, it becomes a very mutual, beneficial thing for sure. Definitely. So I want to bring back to kind of the beginning of this interview already, where you said you were interviewing patients as the podcast uh, guests. How did that go? Honestly, when it took me till I had to swallow my clinical ego and like, instead of just toiling with new mechanics of I'm going to fix this part of the patient, or it's going to be this manipulation or no, this mob in this position, I finally said, you know what, I've been doing that for three and ever, and it's hitting a plateau of I'm just still Maybe I should actually ask the people that are actually in pain, what's been helpful for them? What has been the turning points in your journeys? What has been the things that have, so there's a selfish thing. I want to figure out, well, instead of me like trying to come up with it without the, that opinion in the room, which I think we do so much in healthcare. And I think we got great people like Gillette Belton and Keith Meldrum and others who are like bringing the patient voice into these conversations. We got all these like conferences and seminars and different things where we all gather and tell patients, make these decisions for patients without them even being present, without their even opinion being part of the thing. So one of my biggest learning experiences and the best thing I've ever done in my career is just to shut up and let patients tell them their story and just listen to patients who come off the other side of a chronic pain thing, like a pretty nasty journey. Gilletta, Amy Bush Eicher, uh, Keith Meldrum, there's Samantha Bonzak, we've had Tammy Lincoln on our podcast. It is just wonderful people who went through some horrible stuff. And I think you can learn so much from that. And it honestly, I wanted to hear, I guess, earlier, maybe that it was some sort of manual therapy system they encountered. You know what it often was? Somebody shut up, listened, validated what they were going through and started helping them start gaining control through just let's get you back moving without any fancy terminology behind it. This, I'm sorry you're going through this. What do you want to do in life? What are you missing in life that this is taking away from you? Let's get you back to those things. I mean, there's a lot of nuance within that, but I mean, in the grand scheme of it, that tends to be what, but that was huge. I think and I, we got to get back to doing a little bit of that because I think it's, it's just, it needs to be a, that voice should never be lost in what we, as we start making decisions and decide what we're doing in healthcare. Definitely. And I mean, I commend you for even doing that. That's why when I came across that, when I was listening to some of your podcast episodes, I was like, this is what people need to be doing more of putting that patient in front. And then what that also does is it's going to attract similar people and they're going to have an aha moment in their mind. Like this is me, everything that he's talking about right now, this is me. And this guy helped him fix it. So I can go there to get help. Part of what we want to do with the content, like our YouTube stuff, is to get people where they can see that there is hope. And not because some therapist or some bunch of PhDs at conferences who are doing a bunch of systematic It's because they're seeing real people that look like them and are walking the same journey or a very similar journey to what they're either walking right now or have walked. And they see that, man, that person took it and turned it around. And I think that can be powerful for a lot of people because I... You know, the, all the PTs there are, and I was this PT once where I evidence became the new guru in town where it was like, and all the research and RCTs and the systematic reviews are going to solve the day. Patients don't care. till they, they don't care how much you know until you can show them how much you care first. That's paraphrasing Teddy Roosevelt's quote, but we have so much gotten focused on how much we know, no, 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 knowledge, 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 and we just missed the, the human in front of us that we interrupt them don't let them tell their stories 18 yep. seconds or so they're getting interrupted and cut off half the time they open a statement up in the doctor's office we need to flip that for sure 
Yeah. And that's when, you know, you you saying that you need to just sit there and listen, need to be, I mean, this is what I did when I went on job interviews. I was being more interested than interesting. Yeah. And when you let people just feel like, hey, this dude's invested, he's validated, he's not, you know, just I'm going on this big, you know, for as a PT to a pain patient, not pain splaying their pain away without knowing any of the journey they've been on or validate anything. They're just trying to like, you know, well, this randomized controlled trial says that you shouldn't be doing this intervention because of X, Y, and Z. The <laughs> patient may have a diff- completely different experience and different things around certain things. So, yeah, I think it, it's, it can get um, you know, messy with that for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, can you share a story with the people or a relationship that has formed from your podcast that like, if you didn't have a podcast, this would never probably happen? Oh, man. Um, I mean, we've had people come into our, I've always been just amazed, like what PT is reaching out and especially since we've been kind of taking more of a clinical, practical, applicable stuff, like just giving people like things they can use immediately in clinic and be having some better success for patients. We just regularly have folks reach out and say, hey, man, just want to thank you guys for the podcast. Been listening lately. It's been, you know, hugely helpful for my practice. I mean, that's exactly why we do it. I mean, if, if we can like ripple that stuff out to where, hey, you know, we get 10 PTs who are taking that and improving their practice and they touch, you know, thousands of people in their lifetime. I mean, I think it makes a big impact. But we've also been able to bring people into our coaching programs and stuff that kind of, you know, these guys aren't just like a bunch of flash and, and marketing. There's some, you know, some, some yeah. claims or some meat to the claims. They're actually delivering on what they say they, they supposedly are. Mm-hmm. So that's been, that's been helpful. It's been able to bring people, you know, kind of built that trust because, you know, they hear Jared and I pontificating and, and also just sharing how real it is i mean i i don't i too many pts want to just share highlight reels and on instagram and stuff and there's nothing wrong with like you know celebrating our wins and don't get me wrong but the clinic isn't full of wins the clinic is going to be full and even the best most world-renowned therapists fail and it's okay to fail that's just where i think finding the mindset where you can be not so pressured on outcomes and find ways to still be happy even though you have a patient fail i've had patients fail regularly i mean not that i don't give my best to them it's just that there's there's a lot of things that happen outside of a pt intervention and encounter that are going to leverage people in different directions that we can't control but i think helping people recognize that and not beat themselves up because that's where again you get to the point you want to quit and you feel like you're a worthless pt or Cairo or osteopath and then you start to fall into that burnout oh absolutely absolutely i i think that was definitively where I hit that wall for me personally, where I just felt like I'm not helping people. I mean, I was the, the home runs where I got ankle sprain and some of the basics of course, but like I was getting all these people that just, you know, turning up well and feeling like a complete fraud at times and then ready to quit, feeling burnt out, feeling like I just went through all the schooling. Thankfully I was a master mm-hmm. at that time when I graduated, I got my transitional DPT, but the DPT degrees are, are quite a financial endeavor these days. But, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, burnout's a real thing, man. And I think if that's one thing we can prevent folks from going down by starting to reinvigorate and and uh, finding their passions back in their practice and being better understanding some of those complexities and not beating yourself up about the, and I hate failures. Failures isn't like the person, that patient didn't fail, you didn't fail, that yeah. current, that context at that moment in time, they aren't ready, it wasn't a good situation to move forward. Maybe it is something where it's not a good fit with me, I'm, I have times where I can tell, like me and this patient just don't mesh. I'm going to refer you to our other therapist. I'm, uh, you know, there's a therapist down here that does that type of thing. 
Exactly. Um, patient's happy. I'm happy. And it's a good scenario. I mean, I don't have a lot of pressures on, you know, a boss that's going to say, why are you referring people out of our clinic? I mean, I think you put that goodwill out there. It comes back for you. And then that's what I think the benefit of having a podcast is, is because if you do bring these patients on and stuff like that, you, they could see how you talk to the patient. They could see how you interact with the pit. Well, not see, but if, unless you're doing YouTube, right. But they can hear it. And then they can see like, oh yeah, I do vibe with that guy. I do vibe with this clinic that has this podcast, you know? Okay. Now I know I can trust these people. I can trust that once I get the surgery done by whatever physician, I'm going to go there for my follow my follow-up visits. 100%. Yeah. I think that's definitely where we're moving is to make our information be our best marketing piece for, you know, the, the common problems that patients are facing out there. What do you do when you're when you wake up and you can't get out of bed or stand up straight because your back's completely seized up. And I've been there and done that personally. It's no fun. And, but yeah. have that kind of information and helping people see here's the best, what evidence tells us we should do, not go jump to MRIs and opioids and all the things that, you know, medicine traditional will do better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, give that resource for people to, to navigate those situations. I think we have a unique ability now to get in front of people with, like you said, YouTube. That's where a lot of people are looking at. How do I, I get my, Backs completely locked up. How do I get out of it? Yep. They can you do the appropriate tagging and putting stuff in that video of yours lands in front of them. Could be the difference for one person, but that video that can start snowballing. Tony Maritato is the master in our profession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he's doing like daily now too. So yeah, the dude's a machine. I've been able to get to know Tony a little bit. We've Zoom kind of talked. I always just try to get to know him get in front of smart people that are doing good things. And uh, Tony's definitely one of those people. So um, right? it's been, uh, it's been a good, good way just watching him and just learning. I mean, that dude's talking about delivering and serving audience. That dude just gives and gives and deservedly it's coming back to reward him. He's, he's a great dude, good individual. Definitely. Definitely. And I always believe in, and when you're in a room, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Absolutely not. And I think I have, Definitely made a point to as far as a podcast and not as much as of late because Jared and I've been doing more, but uh, you know, surrounding ourselves with smart people we've had, but that's the best way to grow. If you just get in the comfort zone of a bunch of confirmation bias where you got a bunch of people slapping you on the back and yeah, we're all doing it right. To me, you just walled yourself into a lack of growth. I mean, you got to surround yourself with people that maybe don't think the same with you or maybe do it a little bit differently or, or maybe are farther ahead of you where man like Tony, he's light years ahead of me on the YouTube game. Get, yeah. Start following that guy. Start finding, you know, trying to get yourself in that dude's ecosystem. Try to get in the ecosystems of folks that are pushing it to where, hey, that's somebody I can look towards and, and have a goal to, to kind of replicate or, you know, even come close to them. And then the, the amazing thing we have with social media and the connections that we can develop, you know, digitally is that stuff's easily honed if you just have some strategies. You know, your, your Dream 100 strategy, Chet Holmes and stuff and all that. Yeah. That stuff's gold. I mean, that's people, well, you're doing salesmanship. No, you're doing good human relationship stuff. I want to develop the ability to serve people because I know I have a product, whether it be physical therapy, whether you do podcast delivery, whether you do whatever. If it can help people out, then you should find ways to sell and help people out. Why it gets so demonized, I, I guess it's the, I don't know. Definitely. I mean, Mark, we wouldn't even be on this or podcast if I didn't reach out to you and had this podcast. Exactly. I think good avenue for you to develop you know, relationships and to obviously you do podcasts as good as anybody with what you're doing with all the podcast game. Um, it's But that's how you get relationships. Nate, I might bother you for help on our podcast <laughs> down the road and all these things. I think 
because I know you know your stuff and I know you're doing good things to help people out. I That's genuine stuff. And you're showing, you're not doing this interview like, hey, listen to all the good things I do, Mark. And oh yeah, what about you? You know, it's <laughs> obviously doing it the right way. So Mark, let, let's bring it back just because I want the listeners to know is like, so why do you think you guys, you and Jared are the authority in the space and what makes you different from the other people that are in it? It's a good question. One, have gone through the journey of failing and have racked our brains on like not wanting to fail and doing exactly what you said, surrounding ourselves by smart people. I think one of the weaknesses in our profession is we tribe up to the point of walling ourselves in confirmation bias where, granted, we're a modern pain care tribe. We have folks, but we purposely engage and stay outside of our little tunnel and our, our confirmation bias little cave as much as possible. And that's all the processes we teach students is like, do not get walled into one way of thinking because your patients are going to be all different and you can't if you want to best serve the people that are coming through here. So we feel like we do it better because we don't wall ourselves into one way of doing it. Like there's a lot Mm -hmm. of folks that sell the needling thing, which I'm not against any of these interventions, but there's some that are very biased towards manipulation. There's some that are very biased towards taping. We kind of step back like say, hey, cool, do whatever you feel best your skill set allows you to do. But in the end, your patient needs to get off the table and get back to life and you can do it. And the research doesn't really show that any of that stuff is superior to the other stuff. It's just depends on if you have more belief and bias towards your desired way of doing it, which again, isn't wrong. Just own it and get people off tables. And that's what our job is. Get people back off treatment tables into life, which is the complete clinician. The, the incomplete clinician who is the one that gets 30 visits of people come rolling in and getting needle, click, stick, manip, tape, scrape, whatever it may be that we get stuck with doing. I'm not getting none of it being bad if it's got a good narrative behind it, but if you're doing it over and over again, patients are struggling to get outcomes. They're not getting back to their valued activities in life, then you're probably missing something. And often, I know for me and for Jared, it's been not learning how to get masterful communication skills with people, psychologically informed care, and getting people navigating back into their life off of that treatment table. And that's what we feel nobody else is doing. And, you know, also with our coaching and mentoring program, weekend courses can only do so much. I mean, you get two days with somebody, you can ask, pepper them with questions. And then Monday comes when you're staring at a patient and you're left scratching your head. And what do I do? And well, yep. gosh, dang it, the technique this dude taught me on Saturday didn't work the way it worked in the stage of the con ed course, which the con ed course stage is always where good things happen because it's kind of, there's a lot of placebo it's you know you're yeah poop, you're not interested. and nothing, again nothing wrong with doing it so we do some of that stuff i'm not saying it's malintent or bad things around it but it's just you need somebody who can kind of coach you through the situations you have on a day-to-day basis that occur um, that's been the best learning for me is to have coaching and mentorship it's been huge to say okay okay you guys gave me this con ed textbook but now i have this person in front of me show me how it applies and how would you apply to this person that i'm facing right now and We've had some great response with the students we have right now. That's the mode I think Jared and I are going to try to, that's where we feel we can serve people to the highest level we have possible is that kind of one-on-one group coaching, getting folks to where we're getting involved in, in some higher yeah. level discussions and clinical reasoning and practical application stuff. So I just want to thank you for coming on today, Mark. So if the listeners want to work with you, how can they do that? Or how can they reach out to you? Yeah, you can reach out to me via social media, modern at Modern Pain Cares at Twitter. It's at uh, Instagram. There's a Modern Pain Care page on Facebook. And then mcardula DPT is my handle on all those platforms if you want to message me personally. 
we're regularly having conversations with clinicians who are kind of navigating the same struggles we spoke about in this podcast. We've been fortunate enough to get some folks um, and help them in their practice. So it's been huge, exciting times for Jared and I, because that's kind of, we're finally feeling like we're, like I said, serving to our full full potential. But mm-hmm. yeah, if anybody has, if, if any of the stuff we've talked about that the struggles that I've, we've, I've gone through resonate with you, schedule a call. We've had a lot of folks where we just simply talk to them, where are you at? Where do you want to be? Here's what I do. If it, if it works for us, we have them come in our programs. If it doesn't, then we point them to, I'm not a, a you know, women's health specialist, but I know Sandy Hilton and Sarah Hagar and other folks, you know, so we, we've been fortunate enough to get a network to where folks are struggling. We, if we can't help them, we can find somebody who can. Awesome. Well, for the listeners, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe for more episodes and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks again, Mark. Thank you. For more inspiring conversations like this one, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, Healthcare Hacks and Connections. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, be sure to follow our socials on Instagram, the podcast underscore doc and Nate Novice on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.